Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. Good morning. It's been said that a picture is worth a thousand words. That familiar expression that implies a single image has the power to communicate meaning and convey a message as effectively as a thousand words or a short story. We've all experienced this when we've studied a piece of art or been captured by a clever photograph and the details in the image come together to tell a story. And sometimes we're even able to tell a little about its maker, the artist or the photographer. A picture is worth a thousand words. Well, as the people of God who treasure the living word, we know the opposite is sometimes true. And that is, the word can paint a thousand pictures. Whether it's in the creation story, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Or how about scriptures that tell of his redeeming grace? Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be whiter than snow. What about sharing the Father's heart for someone who is grieving? He says, I will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. <sighs> the joy of oil. The Word can paint a thousand pictures. Well, in our passage this morning, the Apostle Peter paints a masterpiece with his words, and it gives us just a glimpse of God's glorious design for his church, the people of God. It also brings insight into some of the deepest longings of the human heart. And in this process, we sure learn a lot about our Maker. So as we prepare to read and study God's Word together, will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, how we do thank you for your Word. We thank you that it has no bounds by time or culture or generation, no expiration date. We ask that as we come as your people to study your Word, that you would come and open the eyes of our heart you know each person here. You know the plans you have for them. And we ask that as we engage with you, that you would draw us in, transform us, as your Spirit does. It's in your Son's precious name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. And if you're following along in the Pew Bible, I invite you to join with me. It's on page 1,888. Listen now to the Word of God. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious. 
But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Now, it's always very helpful to begin with just a little context, and so we'll briefly do that. We learn from the opening verses of chapter 1, Peter is writing to Christians who have fled in exile, and they fled persecution, probably from the Emperor Nero. And as, as he's writing, he lists the names of the churches, the recipients of this letter, in the order that a traveling messenger would deliver them. And in the verse immediately before our verse, we see that he tells them to crave pure spiritual milk. And so we think these are probably new Christians, new believers in Christ, who were forced to banish their home, their entire way of life, everything they knew, and are now traveled as far as their resources could take them, and are in Asia Minor, trying to begin again in a pagan culture. And so the whole first chapter of uh, one of Peter, he's encouraging them to live a life of holiness, to reflect this God into whom now they belong. And so this verse, crave pure spiritual milk like newborn babies so that you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Just as a mother wouldn't give her infant watered-down formula, Peter is saying, crave Christian nourishment, the Word of God. And so Peter picks up his pen as they are surely continuing to be persecuted. He writes to encourage them. And the most important thing in his mind is their welfare and that these new Christians continue living an authentic, gospel-centered life. And so as we make our way through these verses, I ask you to envision the picture that Peter is painting. And then we'll come back together and consider the implication for us today. And so he begins, as you come to him, the living stone. And that word come is written in the same tense that Jesus used when he said, come to me all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. It's meant to mean continuously, perpetually, and it's a posture of the heart. Come as you come to him, the living stone, 
Jesus, oh, who, by the way, like you, was rejected by men, but chosen by God, and oh, so precious. And then he starts this picture, this painting that's, you also are like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Do you see the picture? God is building a house not with bricks and stones, but with living stones, which are his people. And he says, as you come to him, the living stone, you become alive. You're being used in a, to build a house. I'm building a house not for you, but with you and for a very special purpose. This understanding of spiritual house. Remember, he's writing to people who have physically been forced to leave their homes and their way of life. They're homeless. And so this understanding of you may be physically, physically homeless, in Christ you are not spiritually homeless. It is here the next thing that Peter then cements his teaching further by recalling an, uh, a verse from Exodus 19. This understanding of holy priesthood is, is just phenomenal. It's a, a seminal moment in the life of Israel where Moses has led the people out of Egypt in slavery. And God is, says, draw your people together, and this is what you are to tell them. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The seminal moment where God is calling a people to himself, and it's never been unusual for him to choose a people where he himself desires to dwell. Now, this was part of Peter's heritage, growing up as a Hebrew fisherman, but he's writing to the Gentile church. This may not have been part of their heritage, and he's saying, in Christ the living stone, these words are now your words. This is now your identity. Holy priesthood, I have plans for you. I'm building a house, and I have plans for you. And then he breaks in into this passage from Isaiah, another Old Testament scripture. And it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a precious and chosen cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. This was thought to be a very well-loved passage for the people of Israel, and it was probably a hymn in the early church. And so much like we might break out into, O come, let us adore him, the early church would have sung, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a precious and chosen cornerstone. And it's no mistake Peter plants this prophecy in the middle of his teaching to these exiles. And as I shared with our children this morning at the 830 service, this imagery, this painting, 
draws on a, a, an understanding that in the ancient quarries of stonemasons, they would carefully select the cornerstone, the building that would hold the block that would hold everything together. And if there was any flaw in the cornerstone, the building would be uh, in jeopardy. The structure would be in jeopardy. And so builders would look through a pile of stones and reject the ones that could not be worthy of his job. And Jesus says, the leaders may have rejected Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah, but he is chosen and precious to me. In fact, your relationship to him means you, he is precious to you as well. He is of the utmost importance. And he warns them, by disobeying the word, which is the living God, you will certainly stumble and fall. So there's this relationship with obeying the word and Jesus being precious to you, the living stone, and disobeying the word and surely falling and stumbling. We said with our children this morning, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. So right here in Peter's teaching of the cornerstone, what he's saying is the gospel. When God puts his spirit in you and regenerates you through spiritual rebirth, he becomes your cornerstone and precious to you and is of utmost importance. And everything in life takes on a whole new purpose. It's easy for us to talk theoretically about Jesus being our cornerstone. But I ask you this morning, is Jesus your cornerstone? Is he at the center of, of your life? Every thought, every deed, every offense. Close your eyes and hear this of Jesus. Picture his extravagant love, his truth, his power his selflessness and sacrifice, his forgiveness, his compassion, the reconciliation with God through him. Do you experience that? Is that precious to you? Is it the most precious to you? It's no mistake that as Peter is writing to encourage these people in their faith, they are not spiritually homeless because Jesus is the fail-safe cornerstone in our life. And as you come to him, the living stone, you too become a living stone where I myself will dwell. I will be your God and you will be my people. As we living stones come to the living stone, we share in his covenant identity. That reference to the holy priesthood and that elaborate system of sacrifices where a holy God wanted to dwell with his people but could not dwell with sin. And so he, he made this priesthood for us. Through Christ, we become able to enter in in complete confidence, no longer needing that system of sacrifices. But in response, we praise Jesus for being the cornerstone. 
Now all of this leads us to verse 9, where he now speaks in to our new identity. He's building a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And now he gives them, he commissions them with their new identity. He says in verse 9, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And as you have experienced the death and resurrection and new life of Jesus Christ, this is your identity. I am building a whole new ethnicity, a whole new people that will be distinct from every culture and every nation because you now live with a kingdom set of values. And God says, you are chosen, and nothing you have done is grounded on your chosenness that you could have done. You, I have chosen you for myself. But it doesn't end there, because now in verse 10, we realize our identity is rooted on the fact that we have been rescued from slavery of sin. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Knowing God as rescuer is paramount for a child of God, for the people of God. That is our identity. God is calling to himself people from every tribe and nation and tongue to make up this new kingdom that lives by a new set of values. And so while it's not partial to any generation, everyone from the time of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus until he comes again is part of one generation. It knows no time bounds. It knows no limits. And you are now a member of a royal priesthood. You've been commissioned. And you share this kingdom identity for what purpose? To declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Knowing God as rescuer is paramount. Years ago, I was privileged to hear a hostage who had uh, been released from captivity in Iran, and he was one of the longest hostages held at that time. And this was in the middle, mid-90s. He was fascinating to hear for many reasons. And people asked him all kinds of questions about his time in captivity and, of course, his life now. He'd only been released months. And through, the, there was so much, and I only recall the, this one part of his talk. Someone asked him about what encouraged him as he spent literally years in solitary confinement. And he said, well, I was most of the time in the dark but I could count on a few times of the day where a guard would come, and if he didn't beat me, sometimes he would leave the light on, leave the door open, and there'd be a little light. And someone had given him an Old Testament. And when asked what encouraged him the most, it was reading prophecies from Isaiah where God promises to rescue his people. And he said he really didn't know God and have a relationship with a God, but he desperately needed to believe in a God who rescued his people. Do you know God is rescuer? 
That is what our identity is rooted in, not our status in any other way. It's a humble, it's a humble confidence. You are a priesthood, a holy nation, a special, God's special possession. Verse 11 and 12 now reveal God's purpose in the kingdom identity now that we have this new status of being the people of God who are chosen and made into a royal priesthood. He says, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. And so now we are to declare his praises and live such good lives so that even though the pagans accuse you of doing wrong, they will know you by your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You see, when we live as those who are not in a covenant identity and with this new kingdom purpose, we look more like the world who is spiritually homeless than the ones that have been bought with a price and set apart. And so these foreigners and aliens, exiles, are now encouraged to live their life being part of a spiritual house where God himself will dwell. And while God calls us individually, Jesus as cornerstone, it's paramount that we move out as a body. This covenant identity is not just for ourselves. It's meant to be out in mission. Our born identity in Christ is that we are a family on mission with good works that Jesus has planned in advance for people to do. We are the called and sent people to God. And the quality of our community together is that Jesus is our cornerstone. At this point in the study, I think it's helpful to remember whom is writing this letter. Peter, the one called as a fisherman, the one commissioned by Christ himself when Peter acknowledged by the grace of God that he was the Messiah. And Jesus commissions Peter and says, today I give you a new name, Petros, and upon this rock, you, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But as we know, called and commissioned Peter would then reject Jesus as cornerstone three times on the night he was arrested. God's covenant faithfulness for his treasured priesthood, thank goodness, is not met in our faithfulness. Thank goodness. Because the risen Lord Jesus restored, G restored Peter to fellowship and commissioned him further. And now Peter, by the grace of God, commissions these people and us to be a royal priesthood. First Presbyterian Church, you are a people after God's own heart. You are, have a covenant identity, and as you come to him, the living stone, you too, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house for a very special purpose. Thanks be to God for his wonderful love. Will you pray with me?
Lord Jesus and head of the church, we thank you for your incredible word and for the privilege of sharing your covenant identity with us. Lord Jesus, help us to live into this calling, to live a life worthy of you. And we pray that we may, in praising you, declare your excellencies and walk into the dark corners of the world with humble confidence. Knit us together as living stones, for we know that while there is trouble in this world, you are greater and have overcome the world. It's in your precious and unfailing cornerstone name we pray. Amen. Hi, my name is Richard Gibbons. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian. If you are wondering what First Presbyterian Church is like, one of the things you will discover is that each time you come, you will receive a very warm welcome. I have the pleasure of assisting with a number of ministries here at this church. I teach five new member classes a year. Also help to lead mission trips to the Dominican Republic. And uh, we at this church do a number of things that impact our community. It's a wonderful place to serve. It's a wonderful place to belong. My main responsibilities include family ministries, which is marriage, men's ministry, and young adults. I also have the joy of serving the at night worship service my passion here at the church is to point others to the love and grace found in Jesus Christ. My particular job is in education, uh, whether it's adult education or youth or children, I have something to do with it uh, and would love to talk with you at any time about the things that you can learn from the Bible in our education courses here at First Presbyterian Church. Congregational care covers a lot of ground in a, a church like ours. Essentially, we believe that uh, the mission of the church is to care for one another uh, as well as to outreach in the community. So our desire is to provide for the spiritual, emotional, and physical care of the members of our congregation and extend that also to the needs of our community. I'm Tina Jones. I'm the director of the children's ministry here at First Presbyterian. Scripture says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We have a very vibrant children's ministry. When you come on a Sunday morning, your children have not just childcare, we also offer ministry. One of the amazing things about First Presbyterian is our location. We're situated at the heart of Greenville, a growing and vibrant city. Everything from children's ministry and youth ministry to a prayer ministry and being very active in the community gives us an opportunity to spread and share the love of Christ. If you are looking for a Sunday morning experience that is engaging, vibrant and life transforming, please come and join us.